if this hypothetical person, if they're doing well and they don't think it's a problem and the people around them don't think it's a problem, well, it's not a problem. Um, but if they're struggling and the people around them feel that they're struggling, I think this minimalism idea is a perfect way to start unpacking, uncluttering and improve their mental health. Here we like to think about your health as a currency that enables you to do all the things you want to do. The podcast, Who Cares About Men's Health, giving you information, inspiration to better understand and engage in your health so you'll feel better today and in the future. My name's Scott. I'm the manager of thescoperadio.com, and I'm a guy who cares about men's health. I'm Dr. Troy Madsen. I'm an emergency physician at the University of Utah, and I care about men's health. I'm Dr. Benjamin Chan, uh, a child psychiatrist uh, here at the University of Utah, and I care about men's health. So I saw um, uh, a documentary at the first of the year called uh, The Minimalists, and I found this really, really fascinating because they make the claim in The Minimalists that um, engaging in a minimal lifestyle can help with your mental health. So that is today's topic, mental health and minimalism. Now, when they talk about minimalism, it's not about, you know, living with just the bare necessities. It's basically this philosophy that you ask yourself what things add value to your life. Uh, and how might your life be better if you owned fewer material possessions? So I wanted to go around the room, first of all, and find out everybody's philosophy on their possessions, if they've ever gone through like a purge of some sort. Uh, so let's go ahead and start with you, uh, Mitch. Talk to us. Oh, hey, uh, I'm here. I'm back. Um, you got so, Mitch back. Yeah. <laughs> we miss you, Mitch. Well, I'm I miss here. you too, Mitch. Yeah. Um, so I actually did a huge purge a couple of years ago. Um they, uh, I was in between jobs. I was at kind of a low point in my life. And I found, I was like reading self-help books because that's what you do, you know? And, uh, one of the ones I came across was all about, uh, the joy of minimalist living. And I'm like, okay, well, sure. I looked around, I'm like, oh, I suddenly hate all my stuff. And this particular book, she isn't like, I know Marie Kondo is really big right now, but she was not this one who was trying to find like joy in your items. There was this like seven step process where you took everything out and there was a step where you took 10 to 15 minutes to look at all your stuff and question, how did you get to this point? Why do you have these things in your life? Wow. And it, oh my God. I'm like, why do I have 40 micro USB cables? Like, what have I done <laughs> in my life to need all those? And I got rid of maybe 75% of everything I owned. Um, I donated it to local charities, big brothers, big sister stuff, um, uh, gave away furniture, gave away everything. And I kind of cataloged my whole journey online and it was piles and piles and piles. it was almost a dumpster full of stuff by the time I was done. Um, and since then I've had a relationship with stuff where if it doesn't have a purpose, I get anxious that it's in my home. And that's, um, it's, it's interesting when you are in a relationship with someone else who likes to hold on to every cool box that something comes in and likes to have, you know, things up on their shelves and orders things or buys things that just fill up the house. And so there's always been this new kind of tension that I think may have swung the complete opposite way. Troy, what's your relationship with stuff? See, I'm I'm not quite the polar opposite of Mitch, but probably close. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a pack rat. It's funny, Laura, my spouse, just said to me the other day, we need to start clearing out some of your stuff. I don't know why you still have high school biology papers. And I said, you know, these are important. You know, this is part of my life and my training. And, you know, she's like, you really don't need to look back at this, at the process of meiosis or whatever you have in here. And I was like, well, that's probably right. But still, so I'm kind of a pack rat and, and I'm struggling with this a little bit because I did go through a bit of a purge about three years ago. We did some remodeling as we were moving stuff out. Laura's like, hey, you got to get rid of some of this stuff. And just recently, 
you know, I was looking for some suitcases and we had a couple of really big suitcases and I'd gotten rid of them because like we never used them. You never take them as carry on. And I needed the big suitcases. I was like, why did I do that purge? Or I'm looking for a pair of pants. Like, oh, wow, I got rid of the pair of that pair of pants. So I got to say, I struggle with this a bit. <laughs> I tend to hold on to things and maybe it is kind of more of that sentimental thing. So Mitch, when you talk about Jonathan and how he holds on to things, I understand where he's coming from because I kind of do the same thing. And now I, you know, obviously I have a spouse who is saying, why are you holding on to all of this? <laughs> Dr. Chan, how about you? What's, what's your relationship with stuff? Oh, I can tell you about a purge fail. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> so to this day, I have, um, when I was a kid, I collected baseball cards and comic books. And I think this is a perfect Amazing. venue to talk about this because this is a men's health podcast, right? So I think there are a lot of men out there who collected uh, baseball cards and comic books. Sure, and baseball cards. Yeah. I just remember hours and hours of going to the local 7-Eleven, the comic book store, collecting all of these things. And I liked what Troy said, you know, like, I think there's a nostalgia there. And I'm like, when I really think about it, like my dad, my dad collected baseball cards and comic books. And I still remember to this day when I was like eight or nine years old, he produced all these comic books and baseball cards from the fifties and sixties. And he gifted them to me. And I just remember reading them with him. And so there's just this memory I have with these, just the smell and certain issues. And I struggle to get rid of this. Um, Troy has talked about it causing problems with his spouse. And I can say the same thing because I have like this, I've just have boxes and boxes of these baseball cards and comic books and I cannot make myself give them away. And when I, I, I rationally think about it, they're just pictures on a piece of cardboard and they're just these stories and I uh, like a little tiny book and they're mean, they mean so much more to me. There is such an emotional value I attach to these baseball cards. And so, and I just have this image. I'm going to give these to my son one day. I don't think kids nowadays are into baseball cards. And comic books. They're more <laughs> yeah. into iPads and playing among us and all this other stuff. So yeah, that's a purge fail. I, so I don't know. Do any of you have baseball cards or comic books? I, I, oh, I'd be curious. Yeah. Comic books. I loved Garfield growing up, loved Garfield, got all the comic books. I mean, I can't get rid of those things. You know, it's like, I totally agree. Baseball cards. My brother collected baseball cards more than I did, but I've got like these old basketball cards and baseball cards in my stuff too. Same thing. Can't get rid of them. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's amazing. The story that you tie up in those, right? So I had comic books too. I collected, I recently got rid of them. I just kind of let go of that whole thing. Part of what allowed me to do that is I learned that if you wanted to read them, you can do it all online now for like a m monthly membership fee, right? So, and when was the last time I ever took one out? It, I moved those things. I moved those comic books to like five different cities and yeah. never opened the box, right? <laughs> a long time ago, I had a stuff rant. I called it my stuff rant. This, this, this uh, urge to get stuff. And then this urge to get stuff makes us have a job so we can earn more money to get more stuff. And then we have to buy a house so we have a place to keep that stuff. And then pretty soon we've bought so much stuff, we have to add on a garage to store more of that stuff. And then I have to buy insurance to insure my stuff. And then that kind of keeps me tacked down to I always have to have a job to earn money to keep store my stuff and buy more stuff. And uh, Scott, to add upon that, I think it's very unique in our society is then people buy storage facilities. Yeah, and that is that is just again, it just blows my mind again. No judging anyone on this call who owns a storage facility, but that. I feel is uniquely Western and American that we own so much stuff. We can't keep it in our house. We can't keep it in our garage. We have to buy space elsewhere and store stuff. 
I, I, it just, it just blows my mind. So yeah, I, I, I agree, Scott. Like I like to, like, I was thinking about before this podcast, what I could talk about. And then, you know, I, Pat Riley, he was a coach of the Lakers back in the eighties. He, he's still involved in basketball. Now he called it the disease of more. And Scott, when you were talking about, you know, everything you got to keep on adding, he, I just feel it's very applicable. Like we, as humans, we tend to just want more and more and more, and we're never really satisfied with the status quo. Right. And we're, we live in a very large consumer society and it's so easy now with Amazon and everything's at our fingertips. And we almost expect that it's like that little, it's a hit. It's a dopamine hit to bring in psychiatry when we totally. buy it. And then it shows up on our doorstep and then we unpack it. It's like Christmas morning, <laughs> 300 days of the year. And it's incredibly addictive. And then just like Christmas morning, you play with it for an hour and then all of a sudden it's all gone and you're <laughs> yeah. just left with the regret of the money you spent on it. But it's such a dopamine hit. And Ben, I usually forget what I've bought by the time it arrives. So it truly is a dopamine hit. I'm opening this package like, what is this? And there it is. But speaking of storage units, that was the wake up for me when we did our big purge. I was thinking about getting a storage unit. And I said, wait a second, your house is big enough. There are not a lot of people living here. Why do you need a storage unit? This is crazy. And so, yeah, that, that was a wake up for me. I thought, wow, okay, we need to get rid of some stuff. Well, oh. let, let's talk about this notion of then and, and the notion of minimalism uh, and our mental health. Uh, there's a lot of different avenues we can go down this, but Dr. Chan, I'm going to go ahead and let you take the lead. When they say that, uh, you know, getting rid of stuff can help you in your mental state, what do you think they mean by that? It's a saying we have in psychiatry um, that you think about the past too much and you get depressed and you think about the future too much, you get anxious. So the items we've kind of talked about that anchor us to the past, for better or worse, they sometimes get in the way. And so by letting stuff go, it's a powerful symbol that you're turning away from the past and you're not thinking about those things as well. Now, I don't think any of us on this call think we should get rid of everything in our life because all of us probably have something beautiful from the past that ties us to those really wonderful nostalgic memories. But if there is so much stuff and it's just cluttering your house in a way, it also clutters your mind. Um, So that, that is what they talk about. Just letting go. Minimalism is just, thinking and pivoting towards the future and not being tied down by all these items. One of the interesting things that the purge that I did talked about was um, letting go of your, of the things that you thought what you would do. Right. And so there's this kind of like, right. <laughs> where, where they're like, when like you start what a garage sale is, it's a, just a yard full of broken dreams and right, aspirations. I, well, that was kind of it. Is there like, like, you know, they have you do this like mental health check. It was, it was, it was kind of a vaguely culty as I'm reading through this and you go on the blogs and these, you know, people have given their lives over to it. But there was this, these ideas that it was like, did you decide you were going to get way into a hobby and then you bought all this stuff and then you found out you didn't actually enjoy it, but and it's not a part of your now, but you hold on to it because you might one day, right? This idea of, did you used to play guitar in high school and you haven't played it in 20 something years, but you keep the guitars and all of the amps and everything else. And how much of your now is being taken up by potential future, right? And so at that point, that object becomes an object of anxiety. Yeah. And so, mm. and of guilt and of regret and everything else. And so, and then same with 
the, you know, even why do you have 50 cables? Like, why do you have 50 of the same charger? Well, I might have a device. I need it one day. There is a potential. I might need this thing one day. And, and it gets into prepper behavior and things like that. And it was really interesting to take a real look at the stuff and be like, oh man, like how much of, how much of the stuff I keep around is anxiety objects? How many of it is nostalgia and depression objects? How many of it is it, you know, so fascinating I'm, I'm feeling super guilty i'm sitting right now about five <laughs> feet from a closet that has at least five phone cords in it like old landline cords when am i ever going to need a landline cord again i've got old cell phones in there when am i ever going to need those but i for whatever reason i've held on to them maybe it is nostalgia i don't know but your point is well made ben i as you're saying that that really hits home part of my big purge uh, when i did the purge was getting rid of a lot of things from my childhood trophies uh, stuffed animals and something called seed art. It, when I was in fifth grade, we had an art instructor who would cut out stuff in plywood, like my name and, you know, different basketball teams and stuff. And then we would use these little seeds and place them on their one by one colored seeds with glue. And I kept these things for 30 oh years God. and I finally got rid of them, but it was hard to get rid of them. But, you know, looking at those, it was kind of anchoring in the past and, you know, maybe some good memories, but also kind of holding on to the past. But, again, it was kind of tough, but as I look back now, it was all right to get rid of it, you know? But, did you take uh, pictures of it? That was my strategy. I took I pictures of a few things because uh, I figured it's more the image of the, of the memories that it brought back. And if I wanted to ever go to that, then I could as opposed to actually keeping the thing. Exactly. I did. I had read that, take pictures of it, and then you've got that memory of it. So I did take pictures of it, but then I, I threw them in the trash. It was, it was really hard to do, but yeah. And I've also read too, and you know, there's like, sometimes people do ceremonies, like there's a ceremonial goodbye. And I, again, like just kind of explore this all of you. Cause I feel like we're all similar. Like I get sometimes attached to cars that I've bought. And I know like, 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 you know, I, I, like my 1990 Honda civic, it got me through high school, college and grad school. And I love that thing. And it was just breaking down. So I remember the, the last time I took it in, cause I knew I was training it in, I was gonna get like a thousand bucks for it. I went on one last drive. You know, one last drive, listen to my favorite songs, had the old CD player. Do you all remember how the CD players used to be so important with like the little album of CDs? And I just went for one last drive around the city before I turned it in. And it was hard. It was really hard. And so do any of you get connected to your vehicles? Oh, because like, there's a lot of memories with vehicles. So you're, you're killing me. This is like a super emotional <laughs> session for me. I just I'm a psychiatrist. Said, I'll send you my bill. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I just said goodbye to my Mazda Miata. I have taken you so did. much. I have taken so much heat for that car. <laughs> for Mazda Miata. I bought this in residency, and I had it since then. A Mazda Miata is a completely impractical car when you live in a place where it snows for eight months of the year. So we just sit in the garage forever. And then I had it down at my parents' house. And finally, my dad's like, well, what are you going to do with this car? I said, you know, I haven't driven it in three years. It just isn't practical where we live and gave it away. Um, my dad has it. I think my sister's going to end up taking it. She's back east. But that was a hard thing to do. I get very attached to cars, too. And I think it's inherited. My dad is very attached to cars. He keeps old cars around forever. <laughs> so I think there's a certain uh, inherited component to that or maybe learned. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I had some identity stuff wrapped up. So I did a purge a couple of years ago and I was going to hold off on this because I, 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 I'll tell you why in a second. But I had this realization I was creating identity with my things. And that identity was I was trying to be my dad. My dad was a rancher. He had anytime you needed a tool, he had the right tool at the right time. Anytime you needed a piece of scrap iron, he'd go out to the scrap iron heap. So I kind of inherited those things. And 
as I was getting rid of stuff because we moved and I had to downsize, the table saw, the, 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 the power tools, the other tools that I hardly ever use, it dawned on me I was trying to be my dad. And that was particularly hard to let go of, that identity. And I found that identity tied up in a couple things. I used to brew beer, and I just kind of lost interest with that. I was a, brew, a beer brewer, right? So that whole notion of losing your identity, I think, um, was something that played into it for me. I just had an epiphany. I'm sorry. I'm going back to the creating my identity. Uh, I think that was powerful because it allowed me to go, I'm not my dad. I am me. And it helped me kind of discover, you know, or allow me to then, you know, not always not put myself down because I wasn't living up to some ideal in some way, shape or form. Like I should be handy like my dad was. Well, I'm kind of not. I'm all right. But yeah, so it's kind of like letting go of the past. And when you let go of something, then you can replace it with something new. And that something new would be my own identity. Scott, that's really profound. I love it. I don't know if we could top that. I think that as a <laughs> All right, well, moment. here, let's, um, <laughs> let's pivot for a second. So I, I want to know if you guys are up for an experiment. I want to do an experiment to see um, if minimalism, the process of getting rid of these things, and then perhaps, you know, having fewer things, you know, every place, everything has its purpose, everything has its place. Um, mental health and minimalism experiment. Are you guys game for getting rid of some stuff and tracking that journey and seeing how it makes you feel. So, so I don't this, know if Mitch has enough stuff to get rid of. This is just a quiz. This is like we have to like take some action and actually get rid of some Yeah, things. so here's my proposal for the next 30 days. Now, this is what the wow. minimalists pr- proposed in their documentary, and you can find it on Netflix if you want to watch it, is for every day, for 30 days, you get rid of something. So, But this is the trick. On day one, you get rid of one thing. On day two, it's two things. On day three, it's four things. Cool. On day four, it's eight things. It doubles every day. Scott, you're making me anxious. <laughs> right. I was going to say one per day. I think I could do, but this doubling. No, it, it's the hundred day challenge. It's the hundred things challenge, isn't it? Where like after. No, this actually, um, when you do the math, comes up to four or five hundred things. Yeah, that's huge. I, okay. I don't. I think but I could I mean, do one you know, per day. But like is a pair of socks two things. things? I mean that you know if like we'd have to set the rules. But then what I'd like to do is. When we figure out what we're comfortable with purging as we do this journey, every episode we'll do just a little check-in and talk about sure. what we experienced, what we went through, if it did impact our mental health, any observations we had. Question, so, does my biology paper count as one thing or if it's 10 pages, does that count as 10 pages? <laughs> I mean, if you're, hold- <laughs> if, if you're holding on to all of those, I might count each one as one if it's going to help you move <laughs> past them. Troy, that's um, a deep question. I think we need to get IRB approval before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it, it needs some a, a panel to review it and ponder it for about three months before they get back to me. I think it's a great idea. I'm up for it. All right. So Dr. Chan is in. Uh, Mitch, are you in? Absolutely. All right, Troy, you in? I don't know, Scott. I All seriously, right. I don't know if I'm in. I can. So do we have one to negotiate. Day. So we have to negotiate. Um, we have to negotiate the number of things a day then for you. This is a like. huge number. I, I mean, this. Okay, doubling, well, this doubling every day is wow. Well, maybe but there's it, a point in which you stop that you can't do it. I think I would probably reach the end of the first week, and I'd be like, okay, that's it. Because if we're doubling every day, that'd be, you know, what what we'd be up to like thirty things by by day seven. That's a crazy number. I think you'd be up to more than that because one, two, three, four. By <laughs> so, day five, you're to 16. Day six, you're 32. Day seven, you'd be double of 32, 64. 64 things know. by day so, seven. So, Scott, wow. to be clear, though, these are things that belong to us, not family members, because I would love to go in my children's bedroom <laughs> and eat a perch because they have way too many toys. 
I don't know. That's a good question, right? Because <laughs> Troy and I don't have families. You do. I have dogs, though, and I can get rid of a lot of dog stuff. <laughs> I wasn't going to say I'm going to get rid of dogs. I said dog stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know, is that part of the problem? Is is mm. the stuff that other people in our lives own, like our kids, our pets, um, our roommates, is that part of the problem? Like, could could you get away with getting rid of kids' toys, Doctor Chan? Do you think? Oh, let me let me t- like have if you if I pass this exam, like I I would love to get, let me share a dad hack right with you right now. Um, mm-hmm. You can have me come back on another podcast and talk about dad hacks. Ooh. So something that we do is that we when they're asleep at night, we gather some of their toys and put them in a box and hide it downstairs, and then. Like a month later, we just rotate those toys back into the, like circulation, and like, oh, these are new toys. Like, oh, actually, oh. those are like toys we had in your room like a month ago. But we have this like circulation kind of. So yes, we have removed. If we don't remove the toys in front of them, they don't know us. They're gone. If we do remove them while they're in the room, then they start to kind of get upset. So the observation you made great, too is interesting. Yeah. Um, that I've read before about this whole thing. Uh, another benefit of getting rid of stuff is then you you cherish the stuff that you have, like. Instead of having 86 things that have sentimental value back to your mom or dad, have one or two. And then you're able to either you know, put them live in a box. Maybe you can put them someplace in an area of prominence where you can see them and take them in. And they, they just mean more to you. And it sounds like the same thing with your kids, right? The toys mean more when there's fewer of them and when they're kind of new and novel. And in all of that clutter, I think a lot of times we lose track of the things that we have. We just don't see them anymore. So. And technically, since my children are little and they don't work, I own all the toys. <laughs> oh, okay. So I feel really great about donating them because we just have a lot. So, yeah. All right. Well, maybe maybe the number of things is dependent on the person. Maybe Troy's not comfortable with that. So maybe maybe he's more comfortable with um, whatever day number it is. That's how many things you have to get rid of. So on day eight, you have to get rid of eight things. Oh, maybe instead of the doubling, it just corresponds with the day. So you can start out with that first thing. And maybe Dr. Chan wants to do the doubling. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, I, I'll give it a shot, Scott. I, uh, yeah, and I, I'm not saying this just just for radio drama. <laughs> this is making me anxious. <laughs> but what what is about this number of items? This is a, I just like what what am I going to get rid of? Yeah, I can start with the uh, the USB or not the USB the landline cables. Yeah, I can get rid of those. Those four things right there in your kitchen. There's probably like kitchen utensils or plates yeah. that you've not touched in a long time so it's true there are yeah. there are there are definitely i don't think there. scott you're not asking like like i mean ideally like if, if these items have some personal meaning to us you're just talking about items throughout the house right i mean it does, they don't have to be from no 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 they don't have to have personal meaning we're yeah. just talking about decluttering if you yeah. choose that maybe an item with personal meaning is just something you don't want to have in your life anymore like the comic books or baseball cards then that could definitely be part of it but i'm not forcing you no all right, here, let's, let's do this. All right, so, Troy, I'm going to go ahead and let you take some time and think about what number you feel comfortable with, what, <laughs> Thanks, what uh, framework you're willing to work within. Um, I'm going to do one item per day. I feel comfortable with that. I feel like that's a good starting point because I can say otherwise, I probably would not have gotten rid of anything over the next 30 days. So that's a good starting point for me. How about the number of items corresponding to the number of days that it is? Yeah. Let's challenge yourself a little bit on this one. <laughs> You're only getting rid of 30 things by the end of it. Come on. 30 things. We'll, we'll, I'll think about it. I'll think, think about it. Dr. I'll Chan, what's your, what's your structure going to be, do you think? I think I can do it because I'm going to have a very broad definition because I'm already thinking of, and 
again, we're all there. I feel like there is there is stuff deep in my freezer that I've not touched. <laughs> like Probably literally be years. Yeah. And this is a great excuse. Like we we all we all we've all do this. I know we have stuff. We all each have stuff in our freezers that we can throw out. Right. So, I love how sure. creative you're getting. I, I'm, I'm going to have a broad helpful. definition: children's toys, baseball okay. cards, kitchen utensils. Yeah, uh, freezer items. Like we all have stuff. Like when's the last time you did a deep clean of your freezer, right? Yeah. 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 Two weeks that, ago. That, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I like the freezer idea. I like the dog toys. We've got old shredded dog toys. I can definitely rotate some of those things out. So that'll okay. that'll be an easy start for me. And then some of these old cables and electronics things. So that's that's a good start. I bet if I went to each of your houses and I tried to put something in your freezer, it's full. So I <laughs> you're still on the freezer thing, huh? Yeah. I'll, like no, like it's a whole separate discussion. Like like we go to Costco and we buy like 500 <laughs> blank, and we can't eat 500 blank, so we like put it in the freezer and just sits there for months and months and months and years. So it's, you yeah. gave me a great idea because I think there's four half open bags of um, cauliflower rice in our freezer. I don't even know what this is. Throw it out, man. (laughs) (laughs) According to Troy's definition, you can like count each of those. That's like 300 right there. That's how I'm doing it. I'm counting every piece of rice. I throw out some old bag of rice in my closet. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. Mitch, what, what framework are you going to go with? Do you think you know yet? Uh, It's going to, it's, I'm actually going to have to think about it a little bit because you guys are catching me right after a big, I actually just, we, we purged our fridge just the other day. So yeah, Mitch, yeah. you're not going to have anything left. You're going to be homeless after this. I, mean, <laughs> I will, or I will have a beautiful home with nothing in it. That, exactly. How wonderful will that be? Yeah, so. you're going to be down to zero, no bed to sleep in. It's just like, <laughs> well, I, I said I'd do it. I uh, agree with you, Troy. I'm a little intimidated by the doubling every day. I don't know if that's possible. Maybe I'll maybe I'll stretch myself to try to do that. And uh, I like Mitch's thing, you know, maybe, maybe you just get to a point where you can't anymore. And that's part of the story. Um, one other thing I want everybody to do is take pictures of these things. Okay. Sure. And think about if there's any stories with any of them. So um, let's, let's document this to some extent as well. And uh, I think this will be fun and we'll see if it has any impact on our mental health at all during the process, after the process. And then we'll, you know, check in with ourselves six months later and see where we're at. Okay. Cool. Okay. If you're listening and you want to participate, um, take pictures make observations. You can go ahead and share those with us at facebook.com slash who cares men's health. We'd love to hear about your journey as well. Uh, And Dr. Chan, thank you for being on the show and thank you for caring about men's health. Thanks for having me. Great to see all of you. (laughs) 